Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. My guests for this morning are Bernie Siegel and Charlie Siegel. Bernie is a New York Times bestselling author, lecturer, founder of Exceptional Cancer Patients, and a retired pediatrics general surgeon. He has been called a leading teacher of the mind-body connection and is the paternal grandfather of Charlie Siegel. Bernie seeks to help everyone find true health and happiness. Charlie is a spiritual fiction author and poet, as well as a fine art nature photographer. His lifelong study of the martial arts is another facet of his spiritual practice. Charlie is the oldest grandson of Bernie Siegel. Bernie, Charlie, and I will be having a conversation about their remarkable life's journey and their first collaborative book title, When You Realize How Perfect Everything Is, a conversation about life between grandfather and grandson. Good morning, Dr. Bernie, and good morning, Charlie. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you two doing this morning? I tell people not to ask that question. It <laughs> brings up all the troubles in your life. And oh, I'll tell you, it, it, it's part of what makes us unique, you mm-hmm. know, that... When people say to me, and I mean this literally, how are you today? How are you doing? Mm-hmm. I said, please don't upset me. I have a lot of problems. <laughs> Next time you see me, say you're looking very well today. And I love Wonderful. it when I go, I go into a store, uh-huh. you know, where I've been before, and a new mm-hmm. clerk will say, how are you today? I said, don't ask me that. You're just <laughs> making everything harder for me. And everybody in the store <laughs> stares at me like, what kind of a nut is he? Then an old employee will come out, see me, and say, oh, you're looking so well today. And then the whole store bursts out laughing because they know it's me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Playing games with people. But everybody yeah. feels better when they laugh. I mean, my latest uh. thing is, um, you know, everybody's wearing masks. Right. So I go up to people and I say, gee, you look very familiar and, you know, and they're all covered with a mask. And so they bust out laughing because they know I don't know them at all. But I don't know where – I always say there's this other creature inside of me who takes over and that sometimes mm-hmm. I have no control over what I say. But um, <laughs> to get back to work, one of my gifts was talking to Charlie about another book I was working on, a spiritual book uh-huh. that's out now um, – No Endings, Only Beginnings. That's the title. And Mm -hmm. I was talking to him, and what impressed me was the spiritual nature of what he was saying, of himself, of his life. And then we talked about poetry, and I said, I've written some poems, so I sent them to him, and he sent me his. And it was almost like we were twins in many ways, the things we were feeling. And the things, I'll stop soon to let Charlie talk, but the thing that really impressed me about him is he, at his stage, you might say, of life, you know, the poetry, the spirituality are just remarkable and wonderful. So I just felt a connection, like heart to heart. And uh, because to me, it was the pain of being a surgeon that got me to that. Not mm-hmm. when I was 30 years old, but after like 20 years of practicing <laughs> and and wondering why did God make a world like this? So mm-hmm. again, you get mm-hmm. into spiritual questions. Why does God make a world where there's suffering and diseases and et cetera, et cetera? And uh, I was just amazed at how many answers Charlie had at his age versus all the things <laughs> I struggled with. And the writing of the poetry to help get it out of you so mm-hmm. you didn't keep it stored mm-hmm. inside. So I'd sit down in the evening when I got home from the hospital and write. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my wife was the one who woke me up to the fact that what I was writing about were all my pain and troubles. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. needed to also pay attention 
to the things that I smiled about and laughed about at the hospital. And that's mm-hmm. something people need to wake up to. Uh, right. You know, you get back to the title of the book. I mean, it, it isn't just about all our troubles. Mm-hmm. And it's also how you use your troubles. That, well, Charlie, mm-hmm. I hope, he'll tell you a little bit about how he was brought up. And I think that's such an <laughs> enormous part of who we are. I was mm-hmm. brought up by what I call therapeutic parents also who mm-hmm. loved me. So troubles were God's redirections. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't mm-hmm. God is punishing you. This is horrible. Life is terrible. God is redirecting you. Something good will come of this. So it was hard to have anything go wrong in your life. I mean, I didn't appreciate mm-hmm. that as a kid. I wanted some compassion and help, <laughs> you know, not <laughs> philosophy. But I realized what my parents kept saying was so true because then the coincidences would happen and I'd say, oh, my mother was right. Look what happened because of the trouble that happened. Um, mm-hmm. I always say it's like the spiritual flat tire. Uh, you're mm-hmm. heading to the airport, you get a flat, and you find out you miss a plane that crashed. Then you <laughs> put the tire over your fireplace and remember it forever, that it saved mm-hmm. your life. All right, mm-hmm. I'll hold my breath and let Charlie <laughs> share. How are you doing this morning, Charlie? Good, thanks for having us. Um yeah, it's nice to be on and talk about our, our new book. That that title, when you realize how perfect everything is, I I picked that out from an anonymous quote I had seen. When you realize mm-hmm. how perfect everything is, you'll tilt your head back and laugh at the sky. But when I was putting our poems together into the alignment and the the flow of the book, this that was sort of the the over the top uh, over everything message that came through. That when there's a lot of different messages and and different discussions about parts of life through the book that that message shines through that when you're looking at life like think like if you kind of fly over uh, visually your life's path and and look at the the different experiences over the years and and stuff you're in too some of those things that seem like the more difficult times or uh, like those classically imperfect times you might look back and see that they they made you who you are in, in a good way. Like they gave you opportunities to learn and grow and to, to get stronger, or figure out who you want to be. So that uh, in the end, they're really perfect all along. That's that that message that we wanted to share. And uh, the, the photo, photography going through the book is all of my nature photography. So that that hawk on the cover, I I took that on the top of Mount Monadnock in New Hampshire, and uh, that that sort of like over life and and seeing the beauty in it all uh, that the hawk is doing is what we wanted to to share with people too. Wonderful, wonderful. Charlie mentioned, you know, the hawk. Because when we were putting the book together, I said, you know, it's by Charlie and me, so why don't we have two birds on the cover? (laughs) And Charlie's comment I found very wise and touching because he said, no, it's the person reading the book. Mm -hmm. They have to find their way. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would say everybody should realize. This is to help you find your way. And the more Charlie and I got together and talked, the more I realized we had things in common. Charlie has been photogra- you know, a photographer of nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, nature has always impressed me. I've written about it, poems about it. It's been my teacher. And I was also an artist as a kid and as an adult painting portraits. And what's interesting to me, I don't know if I've ever said this, Charlie, but um, when you look at nature, you see a variety of colors and, you know, you're impressed. I realize if you're painting portraits, people aren't white, black, yellow, red. We're filled with color, too. So if you look at somebody's face, you realize there are areas that are red and white and blue. And, (laughs) you know, it's it's. What's going on in the skin and circulation, you know, different things make it those colors. And mm-hmm. then you find when you're painting a portrait, people are beautiful, too. Um, not to mention, I always say we're all the same color inside, that our internal organs are even more interesting than what's on the outside with all the mm-hmm. colors and shapes and sizes. So we're, we're all part of nature and all beautiful Uh, Let me start a poem, because I just opened to this. Mm -hmm. I fly over the farmland. It's called Farms and Cities. 
And our abstract artists painted them. Beautiful lines, curves, greens, browns. The beauty of creation lies beneath them. The homes fit between the lines, lost in the beauty of the earth. I fly over the city. Straight lines, square boxes, lined up like soldiers. It hurts my eyes to see what we have done. Nature has no room. Please scatter the houses. Make room for the earth to blossom. And when I was doing a lot of traveling, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and lecturing, that's really what struck me as we would fly across the country. What was beautiful wasn't flying over a big city, but flying over an open air of of nature, you know, farms. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, how we see the world and what we do to it. So when Charlie goes out, he sees beauty in nature. Um, and other people often don't see it because of how they've adjusted their brains, you know, and where they're living and what's happening. So true. What's interesting, both of you have said, is that you are really connected into the present moment. And that's something that we all sometimes take it for granted. The beauty of what you mentioned about the internal organs when it's all said and done at the operating table, when you cut someone up and you pull the skin back, well, all hearts respectfully looks alike, and all the organs look alike, have the same color, blood is red, and so forth. It's almost like our skin is the clothing that we wear. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk to God a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, because one of the questions I often say to people is, like, if the three of us were sitting in, in the public, and I said to somebody, I have a picture of one of us, and you can't tell who it is. What's mm-hmm. it a picture of? And literally, kids in first, second, third grade immediately point to their hearts. You know, they're saying, we're the same right. inside, all of us. When you say right. this to a room full of adults, that, and, you know, different races, mm-hmm. religions, etc., I say, right. I have a picture of one of you, you can't tell who it is. They look at mm-hmm. me like, what's wrong with your brain? What are you talking about? We're different. Right. And then I say, inside, we're all the same color, inside. Right, And that's the part, and it is beautiful in there. But as God said, look, if I made you all alike, you wouldn't know who you're talking to. Yeah. You know, (laughs) you don't know who's my neighbor, who's my child, uh, who's having dinner with me. So you need to be different for identification, not for separation. And again, I'd say that's that's part of what our poetry is about, of helping unite people, create Mm -hmm. the family. Well... Was your journey to understanding the connection between spirituality and science a gradual one? No, I think, uh, well, I I don't think I was aware of what I was going through. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Often when we have troubles, we don't know what they're due to. But, yeah, I think it was a very large part of it was a spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I shaved my head back in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. For no reason, except I had to do it. That's the only way. I felt I've got to shave my head. The family was very upset with me because it was embarrassing <laughs> to have their father shave his head when they had their hair down to their shoulders in those days. Right. That was the style. Yeah. And then reading many years later, I came across a discussion by Jung. And he said the reason monks shave their heads is to uncover their spirituality. Mm-hmm. And when I read that, I thought, oh, if I'd been in therapy, I wouldn't have to shave my head. I might have understood <laughs> myself. But those are things that are in all of us. And so, yes, I think that you struggle, and I did. And I'll add two more things, like Abraham and Jesus. Why mm-hmm. didn't they speak up? Why didn't they say to God, what the hell are you doing? I'm not going to have my kid killed. I'm not going to die on a cross. I can perform miracles. I'm going to show them I can jump off. Or, you know, Abraham could have said, look, take me, leave the kid alone. Um, And so faith was always something I struggled with. Mm -hmm. And I realized from many experiences where the word Lord came up um, Mm -hmm. that that's what I had to define. Who was my Lord? Who did I have faith in? So if my Lord said, this is what I want you to do, I would say, all right, I'm going. I wouldn't say, why do you pick, why do you want to do that? I have other choices. Um, 
and and that's what I think each one of us needs to do is figure out who is our Lord. You know, is it mm-hmm. self-interest? Is it money? Uh, fame, whatever. There are a lot of unhealthy lords. You know, you can see this in today's politics and world. Um, yeah. But when we're truly interested in each other and mankind and that we're all one family and not killing each other for our differences, then we're going to find a beautiful world. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. I think the epidemic or pandemic uh, mm-hmm. could be a wonderful teacher. You mm-hmm. know, because I always said we're told to stay home. The earth is our home. If we don't take care of the residents in our home, then we're all in for trouble. So we need to realize we're all roommates on this mm-hmm. planet and uh, be nice to your fellow occupants. And uh, we'd have a long, better life that way. So true. So true. Charlie, when did you mm-hmm. discover? your spiritual path? Um, it, for me, it, it's how I've grown up. Um, so it, it's a big part of who I am, and, and I love getting to, to be in it that way. Uh, my mom mm-hmm. started a store and class center called Wisdom of the Ages in Simsbury, Connecticut, when I was three years old. And my grandparents on her side, they had taught spiritual development classes and meditation and things like that uh, all around as she was growing up. And uh, she grew up doing it and then helped them run things and then started the store as her own expression of it. So uh, I was homeschooled and I was that little kid in the back of the store doing my schoolwork while she was uh, talking with customers and, and clients and, and helping people. And then I would be like building Legos and stuff behind her, like advanced spiritual classes. So it, it's always been part of me. Uh, when I was like 11 or so, I started sitting in classes more and um, now I manage the store alongside her, and I get to help with classes and stuff. So um, but that's always been part of who I am. And then my writing and my photography have become like my own facet of mm-hmm. that same kind of practice. And and seeing Grandpa Bernie, the way that he's reached uh, thousands or millions of people with with the, the healing touch of his work is mm-hmm. definitely an inspiration for me. Um, and it, it's great to be able to, to share in this project together. When we talk about it like we uh, like we came to a similar place on different routes of getting there, but then mm-hmm. when we were we were sharing our poetry back and forth, um, I was reading his, and I recognized that there were so many amazing situations where poetry that he had written like like back in the eighties and nineties poetry that I had written from twenty thirteen or so to present they they synced up amazingly like we're having this sort of subconscious conversation through our writing where like I had written a poem um, about uh, footprints and like a poem about trees and and he had done the same like with almost the same metaphors and language and uh, so then we were like well let's let's get this in a book then and line it up like the conversation that it is so it's really become something nice. Very interesting. Let me share some no, poems, go ahead. if I may, if you, sure. that the two of us have written, so you see what I mean. This is a line from something Charlie put on a calendar he put together. My candle burns not to dispel the darkness, but to put forth the light. And here's something I wrote, and then I'll share some of his. Today, I am not afraid of the dark. I do not need to see where I am going. I do need to feel my way. I accept that all new life begins in the dark. I will labor to grow and find the light. I have the wisdom of a seed within me. And that's called magic openings. And then one more by me and then the answer from Charlie. I want to leave the darkness to enter the world of the enlightened. I cry out for help. I look for the light. I bang on the door. Don't leave me in the dark. Let me in. Finally an answer. The door is opened. I have been inside all the time. I only need to open my eyes and see the light within. And then from Charlie, the light in the room. One man sat in a dark room and cried, for he could not see. Another man entered the room and turned the light on. How did you do that? exclaimed the first man. I just had to imagine that I could, replied the second. Another man sat farther over in the same room, quiet and smiling. He was blind. And whether the space around him happened to be dark or light at that time, he chose to be happy. Inside of himself, he had turned the light on 
long ago. And that's the stuff that gets me. (laughs) (laughs) That Charlie, you know, says and writes about. And and again, how as two separate people years apart, we're writing, Mm -hmm. you know, about light and openings and where we are and a whole host of things. And I have to say, I learned a lot from my patients, too, you know, who were not disabled, if you know what Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah, but enabled by all their troubles. Very, very interesting. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast, uh, available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guests for this morning are Bernie Siegel and Charlie Siegel. Bernie is a New York Times bestselling author, lecturer, founder of Exceptional Cancer Patients, and a retired pediatric general surgeon. He has been called a leading teacher of the mind-body connection and is the paternal grandfather of Charlie Siegel. Bernie seeks to help everyone find true health and happiness. Charlie is a spiritual fiction author and poet, as well as a fine art nature photographer. His lifelong study of the martial arts is another facet of his spiritual practice. Charlie is the oldest grandson of Bernie Siegel. Bernie, Charlie, and I are having a conversation about their remarkable life's journey and their first collaborative book title, When You Realize How Perfect Everything Is, a conversation about life between grandfather and grandson. Charlie, why spiritual fiction and martial arts? Good question. Um, and I've, I've always done what's called to me in life, and and sometimes it's a journey of like seeking out and finding what speaks to you and and what doesn't and, and giving things a try. But when I was four years old, I went to a neighborhood birthday party of a a neighbor friend of mine, and it was at the karate school she went to, and a whole bunch of little kids and a birthday party they put on, and I can still remember that birthday party. And I watched the karate teacher put on a demonstration as part of the party. And mm-hmm. my mom says I ran over to her and went, I have to do this. And she signed me <laughs> up that day. And um, I've been in martial arts ever since. So that that, that style was Shaolin Kempo Karate I did for 19 years. And mm-hmm. uh, I had started to do some seminars and stuff uh, um, when I was like 13 or so was when I started a little bit in Daitryu Aikijujitsu as a Japanese samurai art. And mm-hmm. when I was 21, I was like that. That's what's really speaking to me, and that's I got to do that same kind of feeling. Um, so I, I've been doing that for a few years now, and I lead some classes in that, and and travel around with my teacher uh, for seminars. And um, but martial arts for me, it's like I wouldn't be me without doing that. It's a big part of who I am because uh, it's I call it like physical spirituality, um, and I do uh, traditional martial arts. Um, and there's a there's a very uh, connecting with your inner self kind of aspect of it, and this mm-hmm. this idea of, of like always polishing, always striving to be the best that you can be um, in in life and in your training. Um, so that that's become a big part of me. Um, and the the spiritual fiction has just it's come along with time. Um, I remember like uh, as a little kid coming up with stories and. Uh, my dad used to, when he would drive me to events and stuff, we used to like hand pieces back and forth of making up a story in the car. And um, it's always been something I enjoyed. And then going through high school, I had a couple courses on like short story writing and things like that. And it, it just sort of came naturally to me. And the, the characters would more tell me what they wanted to do uh, as I would start to write it. Uh, it would just happen. So, um, the stories started getting bigger and, and more involved and the, and the poems started coming out as like shorter pieces and inspirations for, for feelings and things that I wanted to share with people. Um, so I started to get quite a collection and I've got a couple of other novels in, in the works. And um, yeah, that's, and the, I feel like watching my mom do what she wanted to do with, with creating the store and helping people with it is, has been a big inspiration for me to, go out and do what, what makes you happy, but especially that helps other people is the important thing. Charlie is an exception. I think from my life experience, some of what mm-hmm. he's talking about is from his past life experience, the mm-hmm. consciousness of other lives and how it's affecting him. Um, because at, 
at his age, the things he's saying and talking about and doing are just way ahead of time. And focusing on, you know, not just the troubles and problems, but the healing and the direction of his life and finding the light and all of those things. I mean, he is really quite an exceptional young man. Um, I think we all have that potential, but he didn't live in his head. What what will people think of me? Oh, what was the term used? I mean, you, you were like hearing an inside voice, um, and I think that's what he listened to. Yeah, it was when you were writing. You said, I'd let the character mm-hmm. say something. That is yeah. so exceptional. The only person I have heard say that was Mario Puzo. He was a friend who wrote, you know, The Godfather. Mm-hmm. He said, I used to sit and wait for the character to tell me what to write. Because mm-hmm. when it looked like he wasn't working, he'd say, no, I'm waiting for the character. And that's why I'm laughing. But the only C I got in college was creative writing. Because <laughs> I didn't I didn't feel it. I didn't wait and listen. Right. See, yeah. I'm a science major. I'm thinking. And it didn't appeal to anybody. And now I'm a different person. It's that inner voice that talks to me and all my old journals and feelings and these books. Uh, it's the wisdom now. And I hear voices. Uh, I mean that literally. So I know when God is talking to me. You can say it's consciousness. But I literally hear a voice that talks to me and I know what to do, what to say, where to go. Uh, it's an incredible feeling. And again, when I hear those words from Charlie, it's like, wow, he's way ahead of schedule. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Well, Dr. Bernie, when did that happen? Because you were brought up fairly structured from a standpoint of in the field of academia. And then, of right. course, the field of academia that you went into is strictly structured. It's absolute. There's no gray area, yeah. so to speak. Right. Yeah, you learn about disease, not people. That's probably mm-hmm. what affected me. So when I started writing, I wrote about my feelings, but mm-hmm. I didn't know how to write about people. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it was more, let's say, a description of their troubles, uh, their diagnosis uh, versus their experience. And that's what I do now with people. I ask them, what are you experiencing? And the words they talk about are about their life. So they can mm-hmm. have cancer, but if I say, what's the experience like, different words will pop out of them. And then I ask right. them about how those words fit their life, and, and the therapy starts because they realize what contributes to their troubles and their illness. And I'm sure that those who write stay healthier. I mean, those mm-hmm. who grow up loved by parents, we know that has a major effect on your health. Studies mm-hmm. have been done. And the other is that if you grow up writing and sharing, uh, then, again, the feelings get a chance to come out. And uh, and they could have been a painting, too. Uh, I was painting portraits, reality. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't doing abstract paintings and letting my feelings pour out uh, in the colors. I was drawing things exactly as they were. In written words, and in this case, you're right, because it's a process of transference. You were exploiting it, just sort of getting it out of your system every time when you come right. home. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Absolutely. Charlie, how about you? I know that some point in your life, you discovered your mediumship ability, your psychic ability and so forth. So at what point did you truly get to the point where, wow, I'm different? <laughs> um I've always thought I'm different. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think like part, part of it is accepting that. Like, um, I think my mom puts things in, in the best way sometimes with making it fun for people. Like, like spirituality, mm-hmm. it's serious at times, but it, like it can't be serious because like it, it's got my my grandfather on my mom's side always said like if you're not having fun, what are you doing it for? Um, so like it can be serious, but it's got to be something you enjoy too. Um, mm-hmm. And she, she says, like, like fly your freak flag, like be who you are, and and just accept that. And yeah, the spirituality like that and connection and stuff has been a a family thing all the way back on my mom's side. 
Um, so that's, that's become part of who I am. And my, my first book I published in 2017 is uh, Conversations with an Angel, a uh, story of healing through the passageways of grief. And mm-hmm. I wanted my first book to be something that would like really be right there to directly help people. And like as I've grown up here and people coming in the store and stuff, but a common thing that people come for help and guidance with is when they're going through grief and when, when they've lost somebody. So um, and I remember a book when I was a little kid, which like I was, it was quite little, so I don't remember the name of it. Um, but we had a, a cat and there was a book about like a, a leaf coming off a tree and it was like the last leaf off the tree in autumn. And it was like teach, help kids a lot to, to work through grief. So I wanted to make something that would help people in the same way that a book helps me. And the book that I wrote talks through a guy who's lost his brother, um, but he walks through Central Park and he's met by an angel that teaches him about what it's like on the other side and and how his brother's still connected to him through love. And and it's kind of like you're on two sides of the same playground in a way. Um, So the the lessons that I've gotten to, to learn along the way with with spirituality and spirit guides and all of that, I like to to find ways to pass it along to people. And um, the other day on a on a show I did with Grandpa Bernie, he said that it's like like fiction is uh, truer than the fact sometimes. And when you're reading what the characters are going through, you're seeing events and feelings and in, in life and connecting with it in a different way. Um, so some of my work I write in, in the first person, like like you're reading it, like you're experiencing it as you read it um, to help people to, to get to see like a, just another way of seeing the world and, and seeing more of it. Um, there's a, a Bible quote, which I don't have in front of me, but it talks about that the like the physical world, the temporal world is important and it's, it's a part that, that like we're here for a reason and all of that matters. But the spiritual world is much more real and and bigger and uh, kind of what it's all about in a way. And we're just a piece of of that uh, bigger world. So I like to walk around with that kind of mentality and and share that through different aspects of my work. Beautiful. Charlie, on page 70, why don't you read your trees poem and I'll read mine on the next page. Yeah. So this is in our, our chapter called Nature, Our Teacher. Um, and our, our book really goes into an expanding conversation about life. It starts like very personal looking at at your own life path and, and how you decide who you want to be and goes out into relationships and, and into nature and then gets more kind of deeper in a way with an inner light chapter and a hello God chapter. So in that nature chapter, we look a lot at the way that nature has these patterns and lessons that were a part of that. So that's, that's in us to learn from from all of that wisdom. So the, my piece, it's it's an excerpt from a longer piece I had written called My Brother Trees. Mm-hmm. It says, Let not my leaves be torn off by a harsh wind singing in the dead of night, brought in by the cold winter months to come. But let me take ease in the shifting changes like my brother trees do. Let me see the way that the winds of change can shape me to be my purest self, an old of illusions and illuminated by the clarity that is my destiny held aloft by my heart. In the little changes and the ever-rolling hills, the land is eavesdropping on the season to come. As change takes a deep breath and begins to blow out its wonder, then letting the leaves rake their magical colors across the ever-changing sky, let me see how I'm a part of all that surrounds me, and how deep within me is the key to the secret, which in fact is the key itself. Thank you. And let me finish this and then say something Mm -hmm. about nature. This is my words. I watch the trees grow and branch, reaching out and upwards. Why? What directs them? Who guides them? What voice beats to them about how to grow, reach, divide, ever upwards? Towards what? Is it the sun? Something more pulls them skywards. Maybe we need to raise our arms towards the sky and find the answer. And... To get back to nature, one morning, I get up very early as a surgeon to get to the hospital. The windows in the house were all covered with ice. It was just frozen to it, the frost. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't see what the weather was. And I was getting all upset. God damn it, I don't know what to wear. I can't see outside. (laughs) And then suddenly, something in my brain flipped. And I looked at the window, and it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Because 
everything had crystallized. So it was like covered with ferns made of ice. In other words, there were patterns to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Then I'm standing there in awe, smiling. How beautiful this is. And then when I went outside, there was ice on all the trees, but the sun had come out. And it was like the world was filled with diamonds. Everything was glistening. You know, it, it just it was like a knock on my head saying, it's not, you know, what's, what's a problem could be a gift to you and how we see the world. And so I'd say the same thing about the trees and nature and, you know, to learn from nature and animals um, who aren't judging everything all the time. But stop, take a breath, and see how beautiful things are. That's beautiful. Your book focuses on seven topics. Tell us what the seven topics and why. Okay. We've got destiny, emotion, relationship, nature, our teacher, present moment, inner light, and hello, God. Um, so these seven topics came out as I was reviewing this big document of poetry that the Grandpa Bernie had emailed me and thinking over a lot of my work and um, I saw that those are the seven topics that we've written about. And like, I've done a little bit more stuff with, um, uh, like grief. I call them like sympathy poems. Like sometimes people have gotten them to help people they know that, that need that help. Um, and then like, there's some things that grandpa Bernie's written a little bit more on. Um, but these are the ones where like, maybe there's like a couple of poems on the side that weren't in these topics, like I was saying. And then mm-hmm. like 98% of our work are these seven topics and in a similar way too, discussing these seven topics in the same kind of manner. Um, so that, that really like blew me away as I was going through our work that um, like it, it's easy to find poets that have written about other things and like without knowing it, we were sharing this discussion. Um, so th- those were the, the topics that we had already found in our work and we organized it like this. So it, it becomes that, that expanding discussion about, life from like from inside out in a way um and there's a lot of different uh discussions and different wisdom going through it and like relationship looks at relationship with with the world relationship with like an intimate relationship relationship with each other um there's a lot of different things in each chapter um but like that like those trees ones that we read Mm -hmm. uh, it is this conversation back and forth with with different perspectives on the same thing um, so, so we like to, to have this available to help people to, to get to, to connect with themselves and the different perspectives they can have on everything. Very interesting. And as I look at our book, I wish we could just read the whole thing to everybody because every <laughs> time I open it and look at it, I keep learning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it's Because mm-hmm. I, I have said this before in different programs, but I have a journal I found that I had in 1996 and I love reading it every morning because I'm still learning from it and amazed at how smart I was all those years ago. But it was coming from my feelings, and we're trying to help people. Here's another one. <laughs> I am asked to be prepared for eternity. How do I prepare? Where will I spend it? Find questions for philosophers. I don't have that problem. Eternity troubles me not at all. I am having trouble with today. Mm-hmm. If I can master today, eternity will take care of itself. Eternity, from what I know of it, can't be as much trouble as today. When eternity comes, I'll take it one day at a time. And you see, when I reread the book and find that, I end up smiling and thinking, hey, you were good that day, you know. <laughs> you were learning. And, and that's what we all need to do. Uh, Yes, I would recommend everybody, you know, all parents say to their kids, I want you to keep a journal, write down what you're feeling. And it isn't about I'm not a poet, I'm not an artist, I don't know how to write. Um, It's about life, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and that's what we need to do. Just be aware of it. That's true. Life is poetry emotion. So what we experience by the end of the day, we can record it down and find the beauty in it, no matter how great it is right. or how challenging the day is. Yeah, yeah, and you have to have a mindset that's willing to do that mm-hmm. rather than judge mm-hmm. everything. 
You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast, available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. My guests for this morning are Bernie Siegel and Charlie Siegel. Bernie is a New York Times bestselling author, lecturer, founder of Exceptional Cancer Patients, and a retired pediatric general surgeon. He has been called a leading teacher of the mind-body connection and is the paternal grandfather of Charlie Siegel. Bernie seeks to help everyone find true health and happiness. Charlie is a spiritual fiction author and poet, as well as a fine art nature photographer. His lifelong study of the martial arts is another facet of his spiritual practice. Charlie is the oldest grandson of Bernie Siegel. Bernie, Charlie, and I are having a conversation about their remarkable life's journey and their first collaborative book title, When You Realize How Perfect Everything Is, a conversation about life between grandfather and grandson. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Charlie, what's your take on present moment? Uh, present moment, it's, it's the place to be. Um, it's, uh, uh, there's a lot of great quotes out there about, like, it, present moment is the only time that like that really exists that you can make a difference and right. and uh, an act and um i like a louise hay quote the point of power is always in the present moment uh, i've grown up with my mom reminding me of that and, and helping to, to direct me that way that um like this is a place to be and and how you can live your life and we've both written quite a bit on on the power of the present moment and the, the way that we can take it into our hands and and make it matter and uh, sometimes it, it takes a lot of work in life to keep yourself focused in the present. And it also takes acknowledging and processing the past to be in the present. Um, but it, it's an important place to be. And it's it's a project in a way for us all to keep ourselves in that present moment throughout life. And that there's a lot of great teachers in it. Like um, my photographs in the present moment chapter, I have a, a great blue heron picture that um, like when you look at like the native wisdom talking about the the meaning of the animals, they talk about herons teaching us about focus, that they can mm-hmm. stay still for hours on end. With uh, I have a, a different photograph of ducks swarming all around the the legs of a great blue heron, and he's just staying still and focused on on his task. Uh, and I have another photograph in the present moment chapter of the it's a giant Buddha statue in Japan. Now, mm-hmm. he's a great teacher on being in the present moment also. Um, and part of it, too, can be meditation. Um, meditation can change your whole perspective on everything, giving you that time to, to find the silence and, and find that present moment. Sometimes it takes that, that little extra work to make sure you're really in that moment. So true. Charlie, okay. let me answer this, though. You are a photographer. So when you look through the lens, what do you see? Um, so it depends on the situation, um, but a lot of times my goal with my work is that I want it to be uh, a window in a way that people can look through and feel connected with nature, and I call it the healing beauty of nature's touch, to have them mm-hmm. see and feel and connect with that so they can take something beautiful from outside and bring it in and, and put it up on the wall and get to to stay connected to it and remember that they're a part of that. Um, I, I've my my mom's side of the family has a lot of uh, Native American friends, so I've grown up connected and around that tradition, and we we go to powwows and and things. So um, to to be connected in that kind of sense, they teach a lot about this this idea of all my relations, that uh, life and uh, the earth and the animals and and us we're all part of a family and we're all connected. And um, then we get into that inner light chapter where we talk about the idea that we have this light inside that's all a part of the same grand light. So um, for my nature work, I I do a lot of seeing that we're connected to all of this and and I want to help people to connect and to remember how we're all a piece of the great pattern of life. Um, So in my photography, I started out in uh, like New England area here in the United States and I've been twice to Iceland uh, where it was in the field photography training. Uh, and um, on my second time there, I got to, to photograph some amazing uh, spectacles of the Northern Lights and some of my Northern Lights photography is in our book too. And then I was in Japan last summer uh, for, for training and for photography along the way. 
but th- there's so much beauty out there in nature that um, it helps me to go take pictures just to let go and, and connect. And when I look through the camera, it's like life looks different. When you start to work on the composition, you can see like um, in a, a course I did uh, back in high school, it was like an intro to photography course was when I, I started um, taking pictures professionally coming out of that course. Um, they had you do, like you take a picture, you do the composition, now write about what that composition means. And um, you can do so many lessons and so many metaphors from one picture. And I have a lot of fun with that out in the field doing uh, the composition work and seeing, like, what is this picture saying to people and how can it help them. Very, very interesting. The way I can I add one the, thought? Yes, that, go ahead. I'm thinking that people are listening saying, yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. You know, it's easy for you guys to talk about it. Just a short word to everybody, because I questioned just as they are. Why am I going through all this? And the answer from God was, Bernie, a perfect world is not creation. You're here to live and learn. Mm-hmm. So even though the title of the book says, when you realize how perfect everything is, um, that's about getting people to understand what we're talking about by perfection and that it's not that there's nothing for you to do, you haven't got any troubles. And life is about change, and that's what makes it meaningful. We mm-hmm. wouldn't be writing a book if everything was perfect. I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you wouldn't need a doctor. Everything's perfect. Um, it just goes on and on. And so the perfections, the imperfections, are, are what make it perfect in the sense of giving us meaning, giving us a, a way to be co-creators, you know, God's right hand, and, and make differences ourselves. Because believe me, I struggled with those kinds of thoughts, and I don't know what I would have thought of this book if I was handed it 30 or 40 years ago and said, what are you talking about? Look at all the things going on in the hospital. Or look at our coronavirus now. How could you say it's perfect? But look at how many signs are up thanking the caregivers and blessing them. Mm-hmm. Um, I see them on my streets for the teachers, signs in their front yard that people have put in saying thank you for being a wonderful teacher. Um, and again, none of that would have any meaning at all if we never had a problem. Well, you're looking at a situation, you can't create order without creating disorder somewhere else, and it's the flip side as well. Whenever you create a disorder somewhere, there'll be order coming up somewhere else. Hmm. It's an interesting thought, yeah. Because we live in a closed system, the ripple effect. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah. When people know also that you're doing it because you care, that mm-hmm. gives it meaning and, and really gives it impact. That it's not, that's my job, uh, but I'm here to help you. Johnny, I can read one more poem here. Yeah. Uh, with what yes, you said about that kind of two but, sides thing. There's actually one of my one of my poems in the emotion chapter. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called Two Sides. Uh, mm-hmm. The dawn of a new day is the coming of night for another. The branch who grows a flower once had held that space for its brother. The coin tossed gently on the ground is seen from a different side by the earth than by its user. When the whole view can never be seen from one single vantage, it is love that can permeate all. I love that. Was, we talk about a lot of different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we talk about a lot of different topics in here, and um, a lot of it's perspective, I think, and and that how we can see life as something uh, something that's given to us to, to help us and help us mm-hmm. help each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And love so is true. what makes the difference. So many authors, including me, always saying that love is immortal and makes all things immortal. So I always say to people, you want to live forever, love somebody. <laughs> so true. All contribute to someone's happiness. Right. Mm-hmm. My wife died two years ago, and the experiences I've had in a mystical way have been absolutely incredible. Um But again, I think when one has open-mindedness, and that's why I read the poems, open your mind, um, then the world changes, you know, versus that can't be. And I, you know, to get back to being a physician, 
I would talk at conferences, and sometimes I would recite poetry, because I'm always saying that people who write fiction write the truth. They're observing mm-hmm. life and creating characters, but the story is true. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if I recite a poem or from a novel, people would say, just because it rhymes doesn't make it true. That was a criticism <laughs> from a doctor when I recited a poem. But mm-hmm. it was true about life. You know, it talked about childless women get it, men when they retire, about cancer. See, So, mm-hmm. yeah, it can rhyme as you recite it, but it's also true when you look at life. Like Monday morning, we have more heart attacks, strokes, and suicides and illnesses, and all the emotions, and et cetera. So the poet writes about it, but the doctor doesn't ask the patient when they come in. It's, okay, here's what you do. Take this pill. You know, not why are you depressed. Uh, so you don't know their house burned down and their family died in the fire. Here's a pill. Right. Um, and that's the part that I feel that Charlie and I have been in touch with life and why he impressed me. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, you know, to be ahead of schedule, because I mm-hmm. had to go through what I would call a lot of suffering and covering up. That was another word for the people listening. I drew a picture of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross when I was looking for help. And she said to me, and this was with a bunch of crayons, I drew an outdoor scene, what are you covering up? I said, <laughs> what, what are you asking that for? She said, Bernie, I give you a white piece of paper. You don't need a white crayon to make snow on a mountain. You added a layer. What are you covering up? And boy, she opened the door to me and my life and consciousness because I knew what I was covering up, all my emotions. As a matter of fact, I mentioned Mm -hmm. painting portraits. If you come into my house, you'll see the portrait of a surgeon on the wall, a cap, mask, and a gown. Mm -hmm. And you don't know it's me, but when the family got tired of posing, I put a mirror up and painted myself. (laughs) But it's not me. It's a hidden man, you know, covered up. And boy, oh boy, her words really started me. Uh, on a new path. That and mm-hmm. one statement from a patient, I need to know how to live between office visits. She said, you're a nice guy. I feel better when I'm in the office with you, but I can't <laughs> take you home with me. So I need to live between office visits. Right. And I'd right. say to people, read the book, learn about <laughs> living. You know, then it will go with you all right. the time, wherever you go. Right. So true. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading all the poems? Well, my statement would be a perspective of life, that when you see life as a poet, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. then it, it's not a lot of terrible things. It's, oh, that would make a good poem. Let me get it out of my system and into a poem. So then everything becomes creative energy, not destructive mm-hmm. energy. Let me, I mean, something humorous popped into my head. I got to tell you quickly. Mel Brooks went to see, um, uh, oh, what's his name? Joseph Heller. Joseph Heller was in the hospital paralyzed from a disease of his nervous system. And Mel Brooks walked in, and Heller wrote about this in a book. And he said, Mel Brooks said, in the name of Jesus, stand and walk. And I said, it didn't work. And Mel Brooks said, it was (laughs) worth a try. So... Crazy Bernie writes to Mel Brooks and said, Mel, you said the wrong thing. If you'd walked in and said, your sins are forgiven, he would have gotten up and walked out. (laughs) It's not mechanical. And I think that's what our book is about. It's not about, here, take a pill, let's read the book. Mel Brooks, I learned, was a real human being because he wrote back to me, which Mm -hmm. I never expected. And he said, thanks for straightening out the Jesus talk. Never again will I forget to say your sins are forgiven before I do my regular mumbo-jumbo. And then the letter (laughs) ended with, your sins are forgiven, Mel. And so (laughs) we became friends. But but that was the real message, your sins are forgiven. It's not all mechanical. All right, right. I'll be quiet. Go ahead, Charlie. (laughs) Um, I would say I want to help people to to find a greater connection with themselves because Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a part of life to work on. That um, we all have this this light inside and, and this wisdom, and uh, you know, we're all meant to connect to it in our own way and have our own experiences. And some people have a more spiritual outlook. Some people have a more 
like medical or scientific outlook. And that this mm-hmm. book is for everybody. It's it's sharing these ideas of of different ways that we can uh, open up to ourselves more and and love each other more and connect with the the lessons the world teaches us. Um, and it's a it's a daily practice. I have some days where like oh I really need to like settle down and and just be more, um, and then days where it flows easier. And that's um, it's something for us all to work on. But connecting with with ourselves um, definitely is a, a good practice to have, and I feel like the book can help with that. Yeah. Wonderful. I was going to add one more humorous thing. I've had several yeah. tragedies in my life where I could have either died or been seriously injured. And mm-hmm. I was speaking one night, and I said, I don't understand. You know, I said, I must have an angel who's taking care of me. And a guy came up and said, you do have an angel. I know his name. I said, really? What is it? He said, what did you say when you fell off the roof and the ladder broke? I said, oh, shit. He said, that's your angel's name. And, you know, as crazy as it sounds, that guy gave me such a wonderful gift. Because from that moment on, every time I have trouble and I yell that out loud, I start Uh laughing. And I fall off my bike and I don't get hurt because I'm relaxed and laughing when I hit the ground and other things. And I'd say to everybody, remember, you have an angel. And don't be afraid mm-hmm. to call on your angel. <laughs> very, very interesting. Where can someone go to get more information about you two, buy the book, and keep up with your latest happenings? Our book, When You Realize How Perfect Everything Is, is available anywhere you'd want to go, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookstores. Uh, but my mom's store, Wisdom of the Ages, has a website, wisdomoftheages.biz, B-I-Z. And on there, I've got a page, Grandpa Bernie's got a page that discusses our work and, and things we do and um, you can email us and get the, the book right from me that way if you want to get autographed copies or anything too um, and my photography on there and things too and uh, we're on we're on Facebook and Instagram and all that and um, and then Grandpa Bernie has BernieSiegelMD.com also. And you can order it through my website also. Wonderful. That's wonderful. What is next for you too? Life. You know, I feel like saying to walk the dog, but I mean, you know, there's always something, you know, so you keep Mm -hmm. going. I've got a couple more books that that I'm planning on and that I'm working on, and um, that'll be a continual path for me. But yeah, we put it as perfect life. We see what comes next and what feels right. I have that book, uh, No Endings, Only Beginnings, which is full of wonderful stories and something that will be out in the future. I had a past life experience when somebody said on the phone to me, why are you living this life? So it's called Three Men and Six Lives. And again, it's fictitious men, but true stories. Mm-hmm. And, and these that are the things wonderful. my mind is open to because I have lived all these things. Because one of the stories in the book is mine. Um, just so people understand, I, w- I was a knight who killed people with a sword in another life. In this Mm -hmm. life, I'm helping people with a knife. And, you know, when you have the experience, you stop doubting and you live the truth. That's so true. So true. Well, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you two like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Well, I'd say figure out your way of contributing love to the world. Don't let others impose a life upon you. Make your choice, live your life, and give love to the world. Be a co-creator. I would say that my uh, grandmother on my mom's side cooked a lot and um, and has, has shared that through. That like that, That's a, a great way to, to share love. And um, you can take it into a metaphoric kind of way and think like your ingredients. Like you got hope and trust and love and faith and peace. And uh, think about like maybe you need more of a quantity of one of those ingredients or or all of them, and then see what you can make with with those ingredients, and see what 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 you might um, do in life to gather those ingredients and and make something beautiful with it. Fantastic, that's beautiful, <laughs> Dr. Bernie Charlie. Thank you for the great recipes for living life and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in two weeks, Tuesday morning, June 9th. My guest will be. Noted personal development filmmaker Douglas Vermarine. Douglas and I will be having a conversation about his latest movie project titled 
How Thoughts Become Things. The film features today's top thought leaders such as Bob Proctor, Dennis Waitley, John DiMartini, John Vitale, John Azaraf, Marie Diamond, Travis Fox, and Dr. Karen Perkins. How Thoughts Become Things revealed the truths, strategies, patterns, and misconception around how our thoughts influence and affect our lives. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Dr. Bernie and Charlie, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Well, bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.